0: Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number 46 of Speaking from the Heart. Today we have Jess Lynn. Now I'm going to warn everyone that this was really a fascinating interview and it's somebody that had reached out to me initially when I started this podcast months ago and I was really excited to be able to spend some time talking to our guest that really has a unique take on relationships. Jess is a non-monogamy relationship coach and also a licensed therapist. After opening her previously monogamous relationship of six years, she learned just how little information there is out there from professionals on how to navigate the concept of non-monogamy. She's passionate about helping others to create healthy communication patterns with themselves, their partners, and others so that they can design and embrace their relationship dreams. Through her coaching services, she shares knowledge and personal stories through the lens of a trained clinician in hopes that others can reach relationship success and step into their authenticity. Being the owner of a coaching business myself, I never thought in a million years that I would have a discussion with someone that not only is trained in the field of therapy, but also talks about something that, particularly in the United States, is often considered taboo. For many things in our lives, we often think about the fact that maybe we shouldn't do X, Y, and Z because they are off limits. But I think today's guest brings about a perception about not only this concept, but many concepts that we should really start to think about when it comes to being open, transparent, but more importantly, being willing to become the best versions of ourselves by opening up the dialogue so that others can also enhance their own conversations with other people. With that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Jess Lynn. Jess, thanks for sharing your heart with us today.
1: Thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate you being here.
0: Yes, absolutely. And full disclosure for the audience, Jess was one of the first people that reached out to me when I was starting this (laughs) podcast. And I was in a group of different podcasters, and I was really excited that she responded to me. So I'm really interested for today's conversation as I was chatting with you before even the show. And Jess, just so you have a perspective, a lot everybody knows what you are and what you do. And that's going to lead into my first question. What led you into what you're doing right now? Because (laughs) it is a very interesting perspective that I know that many of my audience members are probably scratching their heads even after the intro and asking themselves, wait, what does she do? So Uh. can you tell us a little bit about how you got to this point?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely realize like it's a bit of a head scratcher. I like to use the word unconventional because I feel like that's like a nice way to say, how did I get to be a non-monogamous relationship coach? I am a licensed clinical social worker, I'm a therapist by background. I got my master's degree back in 2017, same year that I got married later that year to my husband. And you learn so many different things in trying to go to school for social work for these kind of things and i've always just like had a fascination with people i think and like what makes them tick and why do we do what we do and my undergrad was in sociology and gender studies so i've always tried to like figure out like why do humans do what they do why do we have the beliefs we have how does our environment influence us all that kind of stuff and so, you know, I was just trodden along in my career and we had the pandemic, which was so fun for all of us. And I was working in a hospital at the time. So I was an essential worker, but when I was home, pretty much just like spending a lot of time on my phone because there's not a lot to do. Right. And I started seeing so much content on non-monogamy in general whether someone would describe like oh my husband and I are swingers or this is my husband and our girlfriend or all these kind of things and they just like would come up and I'm thinking like is this the algorithm is this like a newer popular thing that's happening am I just noticing it why does it seem like there's all this stuff and of course at the time I was intellectually curious about people right so I'm just like I'm just fascinated with this right Apparently, no.
0: I was going to say, as one friend of mine would put it, I just like to investigate other people and see what their background is, quote unquote. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And then sometimes we come to this fun part where we're like, shit, I think that maybe that's me. This is not just an intellectual curiosity. Long story, but basically I just like looked back over my life and my relationships before I'd met my husband and realized that I personally feel like I have always loved differently, been able to have romantic feelings for more than one person at a time, these kind of things. And so that's a whole story there in terms of, I brought it to my husband, she wasn't that fun. And (laughs) then started living my own life this way. And in doing so for the past, like two and a half, three years, I realized there's really not much support and much information out there on non-monogamy of any kind. I mean, don't get me wrong, from where I sit, it looks like there's a lot because I have like every book, but I definitely don't think that it's a super common thing to find support around, whether that's finding a therapist or a couples therapist that's educated in it, or a coach like myself, or just kind of like normal everyday literature and stuff. And so that's kind of what led me to want to open my second business as a relationship coach in this area. So there's your long answer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that answer because for some people like myself that have grown up with the concept of monogamy and being that that's what we are supposed to do, that's what Mm -hmm. God said. I know that many of my friends would probably say to me, well, yes, that is how it is supposed to be. But Mm -hmm. there is always a different viewpoint and a different understanding of where somebody gets to that point. And here at Speaking from the Heart, I definitely have always said this to many of my guests. I even said this to you before we started is that I really respect where people come from with understanding and getting to know the side of Where that person might have had that idea or that concept. So I appreciate you being so open about it because I think for many of us, we are afraid to be that open. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of curious, what did your husband say to you when you (laughs) broke the news about this? Because Mm -hmm. if I was on the other side, I would have been like, really now? Do you want to do that? So how did that all play out?
1: I will. And I have said this on every podcast I've ever been on. My husband, Both of my partners, but since we're talking about him, my husband is a wonderful, wonderful person, a very open-minded person. I brought this to him in the middle of a pandemic and was like, hey, I don't know. I've just been seeing stuff about this. And would you ever do this? What do you think about this? And of course, at first he was like, So what? This is the whole thing. And I just kind of explained. I was what people usually say, like I was a serial monogamist from like 14 or 15 up until me and my husband, I think I was single for one calendar year was the longest period of time. And like my friends in college made fun of me and everything for it. And to me, it had nothing to do with people would say like, Oh, you don't know how to be alone, or you're not independent or something like that. It was never that for me, it was always just like, I felt good in relationships and I connected with people so easily. And so for me, it was kind of like, why not? Like if I have this mutual connection with someone, why do I have to hold that off to seem independent or what have you? And uh, so I just kind of like reflected all this to him and said, you know, I know we've talked about how I would get made fun of in high school for like, oh, you clearly didn't care about this guy if you're dating someone else three days later, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I don't think he was shocked. I think if he was completely shocked, that would mean he didn't know me very well. But he was definitely surprised and kind of had the attitude of like, okay, well, yes, I've heard of this generally, but can I like take a sec? And I was like, oh my God, yes. Like I'm not expecting you to say anything right now. So yeah, it was just very like, okay, interesting. Can we just like take a beat and I'll read some stuff and all that kind of jazz. I would say- pretty much the best possible reaction that someone could have. So I do always want to say that I recognize that I'm very privileged in that way and that this could have gone entirely differently if he did not have that reaction.
0: That's so true, too, that when you were saying about, well, my husband better not be surprised that I was at least thinking about something like this, because I think for all of us, if we're not having a healthy relationship Because we're not communicating, obviously, those things will become a complete surprise. And I'm curious now, kind of shifting to the fact that you said earlier about there's not much information out there. I have to tend to agree with you because... I only have heard about this in documentaries, and usually they're in completely different states. Like, yes. I know that in Utah, that's <laughs> like a big thing. And no, You're going to say
1: Utah. <laughs> yes,
0: and I know that that's probably the staple and probably the cliche state to go to. But to be honest, I'm sure that there are many, many, many other states in the United States, even across the world, since I've had international guests on my show, that mm-hmm. have shared those perspectives of, well, these are how people interact with each other. So. With that said, Jess, being that you are a therapist and you are a licensed social worker, what would you say are the top three questions when somebody is starting out and thinking about this and wanting to bring up this subject? Because for me, I'm just creaking in my boots and I'm not even married, <laughs> I'm not even engaged, I'm not even have yeah. a girlfriend whatsoever, but it's cranking in my boots because it's almost as if I'm creating this a difficult conversation with someone. So what are some of the questions you typically get? And then if you could, can you share some of the perspective that you provide?
1: One of the coaching programs that I do is specifically like exactly this. I have had this realization about myself or I think maybe I might be interested in this and I already have a partner. How the heck am I supposed to bring this up, right? People ask all kinds of things. I think that- One big question that I get asked a lot is, how do I gauge my partner's feelings or emotions around this without telling them? And the answer is you can't really. I mean, we can do this. Hey, I found this article about blah, blah, blah thing. But the reality is when you do that, there is a possibility that that person's going to turn around and say, why are you showing this to me? Is this because you want to do this? I mean, I think there's this like human desire to be able to predict, right? Like we do not do well with unknowns. And so we want to be like, but Jess, can you just tell me how can I kind of little bit like drip the subject in without like coming full out with it? And the answer is you really can't. The best thing around that I would say is you know your partner way better than I ever would. And so I advise people to think about what potentially, it doesn't have to be something crazy radical, but like, what maybe controversial things have you talked about with your partner before? And how have they responded, right? Whether that's like, how did they respond to your differing opinion, or someone else's differing opinion? Or what happens when you see something on TV, that's a little different? Do they come out and be like, that's ridiculous? Do they be like, huh, interesting, that's like a decent gauge. Um, And then also, how do you in your partnership deal with conflict right like how do you deal with hard conversations those are like your best guesses but again we're guessing there's no like magic science to this so that's a big one i think another big question that people ask me a lot is how do i bring this up in a way that doesn't make my partner feel like they're not enough how am i going to say this and they're not going to look at me and be like oh so i'm not good enough for you i'm not attractive enough. I'm not financially independent whatever the thing is. Right. And the answer to that question is you can't they're going, I feel like this is basically my job is just (laughs) telling people the things they already know, but like, don't really want to acknowledge. Right. Like you cannot make that person not feel that way right? Because we can't even control our own emotions. That is the thing I say over and over again. We like to think that we can control our emotions, but the reality is we can only control our reactions. If we could control our emotions, I would not have a job, right? People would be like, I'm sad and I want to be happy, snap their fingers and be happy, right? That's not how life works. So you can't make them feel or not feel any kind of way, but you can validate and provide support and say outrightly to them look i know that in me telling you this there's a very good chance that some part of you right now is feeling like you're not good enough and i just want you to know that that's not true and that's not how i see this are they going to believe you right off the bat not necessarily but you know that's all that we can do right
0: and i think that is important to consider that sometimes it takes multiple tries to be able to get through to someone and It isn't about trying to say it in necessarily a different way, which can be one way to approach it, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just about having that time to have that space. Because I know for me, even as a coach, I might have to drop some truth bombs on some of my clients and they might not be happy or excited to hear what I have to say, but They might have never been told that for many parts of their lives, or they might need to have that perspective from somebody else, which I think what is really important about a coach, so that they are able to process, to ask questions, and to eventually come to terms with that. But this is where I think this is the most important question that I have ever asked any guest. And I really want I want to brace you for this, because this is just maybe you've had this question already. But I feel like to me, this is really pivotal to what I think sets up this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to be in a non-monogamous relationship? as opposed to a monogamous relationship. And I know that you're going to give me a perspective, but I would appreciate that perspective because maybe some people are still not convinced that having this conversation is worth it. And maybe Mm -hmm. they have been thinking about it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Why would anyone want to be in a non-monogamous relationship versus monogamous? Well, there's about 452 reasons, but I'll give you like two. I mean, the reality is, I think and believe And I tell people all the time, this is not about one thing being better than another, right? I'm not out here trying to convert people to non-monogamy, right? I just believe there are a variety of relationship paths and all of them should be treated equally as equally valid. And whichever one of those paths works for you, you should please really go down that path and do it in a really healthy way that makes you happy and fulfilled, That is what is most important to me. And so for those who maybe have thought about this, why would they want to go down that non-monogamy path? And of course you go down the non-monogamy path and then there's 50 split offs from that path in terms of what this could look like, but why? So a couple things that come to mind, I think some people. Again, it depends on what kind of non-monogamy you're talking about, but some people really value things like novelty, new experiences, a sense of adventure, all that kind of stuff. So that could be like in a sexual context, or that could be like just in a lifey context, right? When we are with one person after a while, no matter what you do, that's that sense of adventurousness will wax and wane. That's not a problem. That's not an issue. And if you are a person who really seeks for that, it may seem of benefit to you to be able to have these connections with other people. I think that there's a ton, a ton, a ton of personal growth possibility in non-monogamy. Not to say there isn't a monogamy or a billion other ways, but this is one of the ways. In order to go down this path in a healthy manner, it requires a significant amount of self-introspection of really thinking about what's important to me. What do I want and believe? Not what am I supposed to want and believe? Sometimes those things align. Sometimes people really want children and society also tells them that they should get married and have children. That's great. And some people don't, but they feel this pressure that this is what they're supposed to do at a certain age or a certain time in their life or whatever. So I think there's like a huge personal growth aspect of what is my capacity as a human and how can I best achieve that? And then I think, honestly, there's just, and this sounds maybe a little simplistic or like semantic-y. And of course there's a million other ways to achieve this, but one of the things that the way I look at it is the world is a very complicated place. Sometimes it's not a very nice place. And for me personally, and for a lot of my clients, and a lot of people who are considering non-monogamy, how could more love be the issue? It's not. In general, more love, more kindness, more connection. Human beings are not meant to be silos. In fact, people quite literally can perish figuratively or actually, if they are living in a silo, we all felt that in the pandemic, right? Not being able to have these connections just because we had a pandemic and people are wired for connection doesn't mean that everyone has to be non-monogamous. I hope that people can like follow that thread a little bit, right? Even if it's, I would not do that. That's not for me. That's great. And that's fine. And I'm glad, you know, what is for you because that's what you should do. But I think this connection hardwire thing for me personally, in my life, I have never felt more loved or accepted for who I am than I do right now, living my life the way that I live it. Don't get me wrong, a ton of judgment from a lot of people, but that notwithstanding, there's this huge other part of my daily life in which I have two people that really see me and accept me and love me for who I am.
0: Wow, (laughs) that's all I have to say to start out because (laughs) I've sat here now. We're up to episode number 46. Okay, Mm -hmm. I have to say this there's been so many people before you, Jess, that I have Mm -hmm. interacted with. That I've had people that have said to me, Yeah, I smoked weed growing up, and essentially, I met my partner, and they really pulled me out of this situation. I've had people that said, yeah, my husband pulled a gun on me because they just didn't like who I was. And I really felt ashamed of myself. I've had people that have talked about being cooped up and realizing that there's a bigger world out there and they really want to travel. But hearing you say this and talking it through with me, it makes a lot of sense to me because there are people that are looking for that satisfaction of feeling loved, and understanding how to feel loved. And for many of us, we think that it's about having a sexual relationship. Sometimes we think it's about having that connection, that bond, maybe opposites attract, as the old adage goes. But I find it that when you were talking about even what the benefit is for other people who are going through it, I see your eyes light up because <laughs> it there's more than just what you can give. It's what the other people that are in your life, yeah. they are being able to receive so much from you. With that said, you started to touch on getting more love, being more accepted, because those were some of the things that you've gained as benefits. But were there any other benefits or maybe there are benefits even now that you've been exploring that has been Enhanced by having these different types of relationships or maybe understanding different viewpoints. So, I'm kind of spinning the question back to you on a personal level, but has there been anything specifically that you have gotten out of it other than the love and acceptance that you've talked about already?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. That's like the big ticket item, right? Of course, I have heard from both. So, both of my partners are cisgender men, my husband, and then my other partner who, well, As we record this, not as it airs, yesterday was our one-year anniversary. We just celebrated. Oh, happy
0: anniversary. Thank
1: you. So they have also reflected the same thing back to me. And I just feel like I never have to pretend with you. I never have to put on a front or make it seem like I'm someone that I'm not. So that's like the big ticket thing. But oh my gosh, like the other positives. It, everything from like a little thing. So for example, this weekend was our one year anniversary and my husband had just gotten back from, was my partner and I was one year anniversary. My husband had just gotten back from a work trip and he was like so stressed and like anxious and he loves the beach, loves it. He would live on it if he could. I think sand is like literally the worst thing ever invented. I get that it's like tiny little animals and like shells and rocks, but I just can't stand it. So I go to the beach with my husband? Of course, because he loves the beach. Do I like any of it? No, absolutely not. I could never go to the beach again and be perfectly satisfied. So <laughs> this weekend he gets back from this work trip and he's like losing his head, anxious, totally get it, been there, done that. And it's my one-year anniversary with my other partner. So I said to him, why don't you go to the beach? And he was like, that is magical. <laughs> and he kind of mentioned it before it wasn't all my be- idea. But so we just had this beautiful weekend where I got to spend four days and three nights with my other partner. We live like an hour and a half away. So time is hard sometimes. And he got to spend four days and three nights at the beach in his happy place, doing what he wants, eating what he wants, buying all the Amazon movies that he wants to watch that I don't have any interest in watching. And we sat and binge watch reality love TV shows, which my husband hates. So like even such a little thing as that, where like we're able to give each other space to do these things that we love that the other person maybe doesn't love so much, I think it's like such a huge thing. I think we've both spent significantly more time with friends since doing this because we have taken away some of this feeling of like, we have to rely just on each other, like that we have to be each other's absolute everything all the time and like when we need support or we want to have fun or we want to go to a new restaurant or whatever that it has to be each other we have been able to let go of some of that because we realize that that is not the case and that we can get our needs met by whoever we want and that's what everyone does in reality right even monogamously you have that friend who's like the funny friend right you go to for a laugh You probably wouldn't go to them crying and expect them to hand you tissues. You have another friend for that, right? So I think one of the big things has been all three of us and also the women that my husband dates as well, but me specifically, just speak for myself, like this ability to like trust in our dynamic, he and I, so, so much. Like we definitely trusted each other before else. I don't think we could have ever done this, but I think the level of trust that we've gotten to at this point is far and above what we ever had before. And we were married, it's going to be six years, married nine together. And so this was like two to three years ago. So we had been together a while and married a while already when we opened up. And I just, I feel like I see my husband as this truly individual human who has wants, needs, and desires that I may or may not be able to fill. And it's a beautiful thing for me to be able to watch him do those things and me get to do my things and come back together. So yeah, I feel like I just said a lot of things, but there's, there's so many things like all of that, the support when I've had really, I mean, I know you've shared on your podcast. I personally have dealt with depression. I have PTSD from abuse as a child. And there have been times where, like, I'm really having a hard time, a depressive episode, whatever. And my husband's on a work trip, and my partner will drive up, and come and quite literally do the dishes and vacuum and put in a load of laundry, where I'm just like on the couch in like a depressive state, like I can't even make myself chicken nuggets. Never mind. I think this network of support of like, oh hey, I have to go have some minor procedure. I need someone to drive me home. Oh, you're not available. Great. How about this? You know. And so for me. That's been huge to be able to have two people that play a very similar role in my life in that way.
0: It's interesting to hear you say this because I was even thinking of times, even in the past year myself, where I have laid on the couch in a vegetation Mm -hmm. sort of state of mind and thinking, yeah, I don't feel like going to work today or yeah. yeah. I know that I have that dirty load of laundry that I have to wash or yep, those dishes or it's I have to put away. been in the away.
1: dryer for five years and you're just not taking it out. Yet.
0: Yes. And I've had clothes that I have laid on the bed waiting to be folded. And it was mm-hmm. just a matter of having that engagement with the world or having that understanding to work through whatever was on my mind because I wasn't really work- ready to work through that. and. I hear what you're saying because I feel that for many of us, we do have different things that hold us back from being able to say, yeah, I want to be able to help others and I want to be able to be there for so-and-so, whether that is a friend, family member, or significant others, Mm -hmm. which is weird for me to say, but it is true. And I think that for many of us, just trying to go through that is a very difficult process. And Jess, we're almost at the end of time, but I want to ask you this one last question that I have is that even with all these things that you have been through and all these awesome engagement, positive things that you have said, there are still people that are probably getting towards the end of this and listening and thinking, I don't know why she does this. I can't believe Josh Smith had this person on his podcast show too. And I will say that, yeah, this is a different perspective. But yet I think that it's all about learning and understanding. So for all those that are thinking or disrespecting the fact that you do have this type of lifestyle or even people that you work with have this type of lifestyle, Is there something that you would say to them that would maybe help them to understand this once and for all so that maybe there could be at least a start of maybe moving towards the center or maybe understanding a little bit more about your unique perspective with this?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a couple adages that go around and I know that sometimes things that like get said a lot can start to seem really cliche, but I really do believe this. So the way I look at this is we are societally, we allow for relationship diversity and caring equally for more than one person in every other facet of life, apart from romantic relationships. When you're like in fourth grade and you're on the playground and someone's like, that's my best friend. And you're like, no, they're my best friend. Right. Generally speaking, healthy adult people do not do that anymore. Right. We don't say that our best friend can only be our best friend. We also (laughs) don't say that we can only have one best friend. I was just talking to my partner about this the other day. Like if someone said to me, who's your best friend? I have a couple and I would say all of their names. Now, if someone said, who's your longest friend? Well, that's a different answer. What friend do you see the most frequently? That's a different answer. But there's no real adult who's going to tell me, well, we don't allow that here in society. You have to pick one best friend and that's it. Because if you have more than one, that means that they're not the best. You don't love them as much, right? We also don't do this with children. We have one child. No one expects that you have or adopt or birth or whatever your family looks like, a second child. And you think, hmm, now I got to choose which one is more important. Which one do I love more? Right. <laughs> I was just watching The Last Kingdom and there's a very real scene in which there's these two children and one of them is a uh, legitimate quote unquote and one is not. And still, way back then, the father said, I cannot choose between my children. We don't expect people to do that. And in fact, if someone did, if someone was like, well, that one is my favorite, don't tell the other one, we would look down on that. And we don't expect this in any other part of our life except for romantic and sexual relationships. And I just don't know why, right? My answer to why is that it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose for people to be monogamous because it makes the world a more predictable place. We understand that two people are going to find each other. They're going to live together. They're going to buy a house or a condo or a townhouse. They're maybe going to have kids. They're going to get a dog, right? All this stuff. And when people start to deviate from that, now we don't know what to do with that. We're like, but you're not the line. And we just kind of freak out about it. And again, I am not saying that to suggest that everyone should be non-monogamous either. I just think that if we can look at these other places in our lives where familial relationships and friendship relationships and coworker and whatever are also very important, why can we accept the diversity of relationship in those areas and not in this area? Again, people still should choose what works for them. I think though, to the people who, and I don't kind of who you're speaking about. I have people in my own family who do not get this. I've had people say to my face, I will not condone this behavior, stuff like that. And I'm like, geez, I'm not out here stealing from people. Like this is not, what do you mean behavior you're not condoning? I think if we could even just get to that point where we can think a little more broadly about, huh, you know, I guess that's true. Like I do really have these two very close friends and Just because I made this new friend after this one, that doesn't mean that like I had this pie of love or care. Time is a finite resource. Yes. But all these other things aren't, right? We can cut a piece of the pie and give it to our other friend and still have pie for this friend, right? This is not how this works. That's what I try to tell people when I'm trying to like kind of relate it back to something that they might understand that feels more like realistic to them
0: it almost feels like it's a double standard in a way when some people are not willing to accept that. But yet, if they want to try to have something else, well, I can have it and you can't. But that's, like you said, almost like having a third grader tell you something that happened at school today, but it was had a couple of, yeah, good facts, but a lot of them were exaggerated facts too to kind of make their point. So I understand completely what you're getting at. Jess, these last few minutes I'm going to give you, I would love for you to pitch yourself, being that you have a coaching business, and also I know that you are supporting those that are going through these sort of relationships because I know that for many people, it might be a very difficult discussion or even things that they're trying to think about, even how to approach it in their own mind. I would like to give you the last few minutes to just share a little bit about how they can get in contact with you if they're interested in having that conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Right now, I offer two specific programs and then sort of like whatever else people need, right? I'm in this to help people in whatever way makes sense for them. So I do have... As I mentioned before, a four week program that I call the conversation compass, because you got to have fancy names for things. And that (laughs) is really four weeks in which we're going to go step by step of why are you interested in bringing this conversation up with your partner? How are we going to do that? How are we best going to set this up, et cetera. And then you're going to have the conversation in between weeks three and four so that you have support on the other side of it, regardless of what that looks like. That's a very like contained, let's get you through this instead of sitting there and agonizing in her head day after day after day and reading, reading, reading. Let's sit down, figure this out, have the conversation and go from there. Then my, what I call my signature program is a 12 week long Program It's called Non-Monogamous Newbies. Obviously, specifically, I'm targeting people who are newish to this and are kind of like, okay, we had the conversation, it went fine. But now like, what in the heck do we do? How do we do this in a healthy way? Because I don't want my partner to not feel good enough. I don't want my partner to feel XYZ, right? I pitch that to people either are newish or you've been doing this for a minute and you're realizing like, shoot, I wish we could hit the reset button because we maybe didn't have some of these things in place that might've made this a little bit more healthy. And so that's a whole from the beginning of your why all the way through your relationship agreements and conflict resolution and jealousy and all that kind of stuff. And so you can get in contact with me through my website. It is www.bothandcoaching.com, b o t h A N D You can send me a message through there and read more about my programs and more about me. And then I also do have a Facebook group by the same name, Non Monogamous Newbies. It's private, so no one will see that you're in it. And I've got people in there from very like newbie newbie haven't had the conversation yet all the way people like myself who've been doing this for a while. So it's a great place for people to find community in maybe they don't really have that in other places of their life. So also welcome to check me out there. I'd love to have you in the group and lots of free resources there as well.
0: I will put all that in the episode notes as well for those that want to check that out or want to engage with Jess. But I want to end by saying this, and normally I don't say something like this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. You bring a unique perspective to this whole entire conversation, Jess. So I want to say, first off, Thanks for sharing your heart with us today in that regard. Secondly, it is a very tough world out there when it comes to even just having this type of conversation and even having people to know where to turn to. And you said it earlier, there isn't much out there when it comes to that level of support. And I appreciate you being one of those trendsetters to put that information out there as well. Because let's face it, We shouldn't have to do it alone. That's why we're in the world of coaching to begin with. And I think that's why you see all kinds of different people saying, I'm a wannabe coach or I can do this for you. But to me, hearing you today just exemplifies the fact that you are the most genuine person when it comes to opening that up. And that's why you embody what this whole show is about, which is to bring the best versions of ourselves out. And I think that you are continuing to do that with yourself, the people that you work with, even your husband and your partner as well. For all those reasons, Jess, thanks for being on Speaking from the Heart today. And I really appreciate your insights and perspective. It does mean a lot. I want to thank Jess again for the insightful conversation that we had about not only the things that we often misconstrue as maybe not preferencing or providing the opportunities for others to really listen to each other. But maybe in a way, we're not really thinking about how we can have more than one person in our lives that can make a substantial impact, whether that is a romantic relationship or not. Now, I get it. You're going to criticize me, right? You're going to ask me, Josh, why would you ever bring somebody into your podcast talking about non-monogamy? Aren't you a Christian? Aren't you able to say that you should be with one person? Shouldn't we just do it the way that we always have done it and keep it the same way because that's what X, Y, and Z has said? I'm not here to debate you. As a matter of fact, I think I'm here to tell you that maybe you're right. Maybe you shouldn't have listened to this whole entire episode, but maybe the title, maybe the person that is talking about this subject matter, maybe the expert opinion, Was something that maybe convinced you otherwise to say, yes, I need to take a look at this. I really want to know more. And maybe that curiosity got the best of you. You fell victim to exactly what I want to talk about being open minded. It is so easy nowadays to fall into the trap of thinking that we always have it right, that we need to have it on this straight and narrow path, that we should never forget about. The concept of maybe becoming the best version of ourselves by sticking ourselves into places that we should never be in in the first place. But do you know who those people are that are telling you that? It's probably those other voices in your head that you should have never listened to in the first place. Maybe that's why you're sitting on the couch. Maybe that's why you're still listening to this, because you're really intrigued as to the viewpoint my guest has shared. It's really the three-pronged approach in which Jess really provided. How do I bring this up with someone? How do I gauge the emotions about this? What potential controversial things and the reaction will I receive as a result of that? Dealing with conflict in itself is a vastly big topic that has circled professional and personal relationships for years. Even for me, your podcast host has had these difficulties, maybe not in the relationship sense, but maybe in ways in which we should often consider how we can create those opportunities where we least expect them, even in the people that we meet. I'm not here to judge, Jess. As a matter of fact, before we even started talking, we realized that this was going to be something of a unique episode in itself, in which we're going to cover territory that is often not covered except in the great state of Utah, which I ironically brought up, which then she laughed at me for good reason. This is everywhere. It's in our backyards. It might not be as visible as it is in Utah, but it's certainly visible in other places all across the world. But that's it. That's about acceptance. And we need to find the way in which we can grasp acceptance. Why do we do the things that we do, essentially, is the question that we have to ask ourselves every single time that we're faced with a problem or a solution to the problem that we need to make. It may be for the benefit of others that are going through this to hear concrete, unique examples. And I love the fact that Jess talked about those sort of relationships, not just with her husband, but with her partner as well. Those were common threads. But for her to take it even one step further in the bold face of everything that could potentially be wrong in what you think is your moral compass, she specifically says then that it's about understanding how this world, although it's very complicated, we can still love each other. That's a bold statement, which I have to take a step back, even as a coach, and say to myself, do I love this person for what they want to become? Obviously, that's not what I'm going to say. I'm not going to ask a client initially, do you want me to love you so that you are better? What nonsense. Why would I ever say such a thing? Why would I ever tell somebody that? That sounds ridiculous. I might as well just have them walk out the door. That trust is destroyed. Ultimately, what we're looking for is the love and acceptance from others so that we can grow, we can be nurtured, we can be considered for others. Being open and where we know where we're not able to do the certain things that we need to do because of time or commitments or other things often creates that trust dynamic. And having that, especially as a coach, is really important so that you set aside that time, but there also has to be boundaries, just like a relationship has to have boundaries. And you notice that in Jess's case, it's really about understanding what that person is going through so that she can help people get to that first step, especially if they are thinking about non-monogamy. And that's the deal. That's what we're trying to be sold on, is that it isn't necessarily the things that we're trying to figure out in our own lives, but why those behaviors are considered to be sanctimonious in the first place. Even the cultures that we are born and raised in can ultimately become some of the highlights of what we ultimately become as the best versions of ourselves. Or maybe even just the worst version of ourselves, which I can ultimately tell you, growing up in Pennsylvania Dutch country, how ignorant and stupid I was to finally get onto a show in which then I'm able to convince you of many different viewpoints, and that's why you continue to listen. But it isn't about just listening to one side of the story. It's about learning in all those different aspects of how we can grow up. Even in childhood, we move some of those barriers that we have often been stuck in to then apply them to new future opportunities that we know we can create within ourselves. And that's really the key here. Is about learning new behaviors, to learn new experiences, to be able to develop ourselves in the most holistic way possible through this journey that we call life. I have to commend Jess for being a clinical psychologist that she is. I'm sure she completely understands that human condition really needs to be able to work through a whole variety of different scenarios, being able to understand and pivot for each person, especially going through that process. What makes me and her different? Simple. She has not only the life experiences, but she has the formal training necessary to cope with that with their client, And that is the big difference between what a coach does and what a therapist does. And for that, she has medical science to back her up with all the different things that could potentially happen. That is why she is such a powerful guest in so many different ways. And we should pay attention to what she's just shared. But I get it. Bring something up that you have to then change your life course with and ultimately figure out the ways in which to be able to become something that we never thought possible is something that we often have to gauge and measure and figure out what's the controversy behind it. We can all learn ways in which we can handle conflict better. It also means being tolerant of the different viewpoints that we all bring to the table. And that's why I enjoyed so much knowing that there are people in this world that are willing to express that. That is the true version of speaking from the heart. If any other guest comes on this show, be forewarned. It is about having this opportunity to do just that. And I think that for all of us, we can learn to do that and apply that in our own lives, no matter what circumstances might face us. It's all about having that acceptance and love to do it. It's not necessarily used in those terms, but it is used in a way in which we are building that ultimate opportunity. We can be complicated. We can make it so much more difficult than it needs to be. And we are the best victims of that. But we can do this. We can make it happen. It's all about growing up and realizing that our behaviors might have served us at one point, but changing those perspectives when we know that we need to evolve. That is what's truly important here. Having someone to do that with can be the ultimate gift in helping you not only reach that next level, but also help you understand where to go next. And you don't need to have all the answers. All it takes is just knowing that you're able to do that, that you are willing to explore that, and let the questions and the answers that come alongside of it form as a result of all those different things that you learn about yourself. That is the most important thing. That is what makes us truly important and makes others truly important as well, because it doesn't matter what you believe in. It's about the fact that you can overcome anything. And that is something that we should all value, no matter where we're at, whether in a professional or personal sense, to create not just those things that are the best versions of ourselves, but the best versions of each other at the same time. Thanks for listening to episode number 46 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking From the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.